Welcome everyone to episode 159 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and today, as promised, we have the Zach Levine Emergency Pod. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Oh, yeah? It's going <laughs> It's going well. I, I bet. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we were compiling a list of winners and losers from the first week, and it mm. seemed like there were a lot more winners than there were losers. But then yeah. Friday night came around, and there were two late entrants into the loser pool. So... Mort, I know a bunch of people out there are very excited for this rant that's about to happen, so take it away, man. Rant? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about here, Brian. Should, should I set the stage, maybe? No, no, please don't. Okay. All right, look. <laughs> look, the, the Sack Levine contract is... It's very ambitious. Can we agree on that? Yeah. At the very yes. least, yeah. Yes. So Jacob Goldstein from Nylon Calculus had he, he does these uh, statistical uh, calculations and he estimates like what a player should earn and whether or not that player is going to live up to his contract. Mm-hmm. So currently, there is a two two point four percent chance <laughs> that Zach Levine is going to live up to or outproduce his contract, mm-hmm. and. Jacob also projected what Levine is going to be worth for the next four years, and he's going to be worth $21.5 million. However, that's not annually. That's totally. That is in total. Total of $21.5 million. That's not great. It's and close to $78 million. You're so bad at math, then. <laughs> Am I bad yeah. or, are the King, or are the Bulls bad? That's, that's oh, the, oh, the Bulls, absolutely. Here's the thing. Apparently the Bulls, they were very proactive. They told Levine, because there was a rumor out that, that he, they were going to offer him $14 million. They were like, right. no, that's not true. We're going to offer you more than that. The offer landed in a, a proximity of the $18 million a year. That's mm-hmm. also way too high. But they, they, they're trying to be proactive, which... I get what they're thinking. It's just bad execution because now you're locking up a guy to a contract that's going to clock your cap when you're going to play the 2019 uh, free agency market. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of Bulls fans come up with a very weird narrative, which is, oh, the Bulls can just move him later. Mm-hmm. No, because at that point, he might be a bad contract. You can't... like. So so what the the Portland Trailblazers could just move Evan Turner after they overpaid him, <laughs> right? They would have done that by now. No, when when you lock in a guy to a portion to, to a salary that's significantly above his value, flipping him later on is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, you told me before we started recording that you're you're going to play devil's advocate, advocate. Yep. but I'm going to beat you to it a little bit here because <laughs> there is one scenario in which you can maybe move him at a later date. Mm-hmm. So next year the cap is going to go up to approximately uh, 109 million. That's the memo the league released, yep. and it's, if I'm not mistaken, 1.1 point uh, 101.9 right now yeah. for this year. Just right? a, yeah. yeah, like slightly under, but yes. Okay, slightly under. Okay, so let's assume uh, that it, it goes to up to 109. 
that makes it a little bit easier to swallow. Mm-hmm. And then let's also assume that Sack at least improves to a point where you know you notice it, where there is a, a league-wide observation that okay, Sack Levine at least got better. He's not an all-star, he's not an all-NBA player, nothing of that sort, but he got better. Mm-hmm. So if you can if you can bridge that gap just a little bit and make him just slightly overpaid instead of grossly overpaid, mm-hmm. then you might be able to find a sucker to take him, um, thinking Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I guess Portland did the same thing with Alan Crabb. You know, they, they matched the offer sheet from Brooklyn and then dumped him onto Brooklyn a year later. So there is hope. Uh, it, it still might take giving up additional assets, which is never great, but... I agree. There, I, I think we need to talk about the 2019 free agent market. Probably it's a whole another conversation. But at this point, so many teams have lined up significant cap space. They like 2019 is going to be an absolute disaster. Like there are going to mm. be way too many teams with a lot of cap space and not enough guys to spend it on. So at a certain point, you're either going to start plunging. It, I, like it could turn into 2016 all over again. Like, given how many guys have signed one-year deals, right? there are going to be a lot of, like, role-player, mediocre free agents on the market. There are going to be a lot of teams with max cap space. There aren't going to be enough guys on the market who deserve max contracts, and some of them are going to, like, Clay Thompson is probably going to resign in Golden State. Kevin Durant's probably right. going to resign in Golden State. So you're looking at, like, Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving might do a package deal. And there are teams that can clear two maxes. And then after that, we're already like, we're narrowing down the field of guys who deserve maxes. So mm. I think it, if there's a team that strikes out next year in free agency, Zach Levine very well could be movable at that point. If if right. he gets back to the form he had in 2016-17, in his final year, final year with Timberwolves before he tore his ACL. Uh, I mean, his efficiency was just so bad last year, but I think that's a byproduct of just having to recover from the injury. I think, you know, I, oh, yeah. I expect him to be better than he was last year. I don't think that's necessary. Oh, I don't care about the stats. Yeah. I don't care about last year's stats. Don't, I don't care yeah. whatsoever because I, I fully recognize the ACL tear played a part. What I care about is the mental aspect of the game. He doesn't think the game out. He mm-hmm. is... I, I've been watching the NBA for over 20 years, and he is... Maybe the worst off-ball defender I've ever seen wow. in terms of his awareness. Yeah, like he would just routinely just forget that he was supposed to guard a guy. Mm-hmm. The guy would just run off him and go to the corner for a three, mm-hmm. and like it would take literally two or three seconds for him to even realize, "Hey, my man, my man left me," or yeah. not even, "Yeah, my man." I mean, right, right. I lost my guy. Yeah, and and like uh, Robin Lopez on so many occasions would be like. Zach, Zach, like, your guy is going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? And his shot selection, like, he just, he's not a smart basketball player. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a, a small Twitter conversation briefly with, with Casey Johnson from the Chicago Tribune. Always nice to talk to Casey. And he was like, look, I, I'm pretty high on this guy, a, a lot higher than a lot of Bulls fans, because, like, he works really, really hard, his work ethic. He's, and I also have heard that he's a really good guy. So there's mm-hmm. nothing against Sacramento the person, Sacramento right. the, the, you know, the, the work ethic mentality. Like, that's there. I don't doubt that for a second. What I doubt is, can you develop these mental aspects of the game to the same extent that you can, like, improve your free-point shooting? 
I don't know. I think that's a huge bet. Like, you're gambling that he will do something that most players don't. Like, right. J.R. Smith did not become a clever <laughs> basketball player. Like, guys who come in with low IQs are not necessarily inclined to improve in that regard. Mm-hmm. And that's a concern. Ultimately, I'm also against deciding for a very different reason. I think the cap space that, that Levine is now clocking up could have been used to go out on the market and get a whole bunch of bad deals on the table on the on yeah. the roster yeah. for the price of draft picks or young players, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think what the Bulls could have extracted from teams in terms of draft picks and young players mm-hmm. by far outweigh the alternative, which is paying Zach Levine eighty million. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I saw the suggestion from you, and I guess it was Mark Karantzoulis as well that the Bulls like accept. Carmelo Anthony in a salary dump and not to have right. Carmelo Anthony on their team, but then they would get an unprotected, ideally 2022. 20, yeah, which is, again, when, you know, we don't know when one and dones are going to become a thing if or stop being a thing if they ever are. But, again, the rumors that it's either going to be 2021 or 2022. So you're giving yourself a shot to have a draft pick in the most loaded class that's in a while. Um, right. Yeah, and, and then you know Denver still has to shed. They dumped Wilson Chandler to the Sixers, but they still have to shed. I think about nine million to get under the tax, and they still have mm-hmm. Kenneth Fareed and Daryl Arthur. Um, you know, there could be. I don't think the Bulls would want to take a guy with two years left, but if they did, there's the Ryan Anderson, Luol Deng, both of which you would have to get something significant in return. Orlando still has Vucevic. Like there are guys out there that probably will be on the move later this summer and Chicago, Atlanta, Sacramento, the three teams left now that can absorb those types of contracts. So that's a fair point. Um, and I want to add to that point a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, because, yeah. but but yeah, it, you don't really have to do it now. That I'm doing right. a piece, I'm writing a piece right now for Give Me Sport on the Bulls. And here's the thing. Like a lot of people are so desperate to to reach this salary floor, and when I say people, I mean fans. Like, right. oh, oh, our, our my team has to reach like the salary floor. No, you don't. That has to be reached by the end of the season. Right. So you can go into this season right now, theoretically, with fifteen minimum guys. Like, yeah. You can do that if you right. wanted to. Um, so here's here's my thinking. If a team is underperforming, like let's let's say the Oklahoma City. Uh, Thunder will mm-hmm. underperform this year. Mm-hmm. Let's say we get near the deadline, and they have still have this huge tax bill, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they be absolutely desperate by that time to get off of more contracts? Like if they're a, like a below five hundred team, I know that's not going to happen, but like let's right. just play around with the thought. Like a tax team being really, really bad, or like Portland, for like Portland, yeah, they would be willing by the deadline to pay through the nose to not end up paying the tax. Mm-hmm. Like, they would get desperate. So if the Bulls were there and they could absorb, I don't know how many how much, how, how many contracts and how much money. Right. Like, they would, they would just say, how many draft picks? Two? Yeah. Well, right. we want three. But the problem is that's never been how the Bulls do business. They are not creative at manipulating the, the, the salary cap. Mm-hmm. They never have been. It's a huge problem. And this... This Zach Levine contract, again, that's just another example of them lacking creativity. Again, I mean, look, 
I, I like that the Kings actually put in a, a clause, or not clause, but like there, there was, there are some protections on if Levine's yep. knee mm-hmm. is acting up again or whatever. That's fine. The Bulls will get that as well. But it's just like they messed up. The Kings messed up offering that amount that amount of money. Mm-hmm. But the Bulls just did something even dumber by matching. I just I cannot comprehend what they think they're getting here. I mean, like a, well, yeah. Go, Devil's Advocate, go. Well, I could tell you what they're thinking is, and we said this going into free agency, that they were, like, this this whole situation was predictable, from the Kings overpaying him to the Bulls matching, because Mm -hmm. we knew the Bulls, optics-wise, I'm not saying this is right, but this is the way they are thinking, optics-wise, Zach Levine is one of the big pieces they got back in the Jimmy Butler trade. If they let him walk for nothing, it would look bad. Again, I don't agree with that thinking. At this point, you have to treat the Butler trade like a sunk cost. Don't compound mistakes just because it yep. will look bad to fans. But that is clearly what they're thinking. There are reports out there that the contract is front-loaded, so presumably it will decrease as time goes on, which makes it's good for the Bulls in that way because cap space doesn't matter as much to them now as it will in future years when they actually start chasing free agents again. So, you know, if Well, they're chasing next year, so that right. is going to hurt them. Yeah, but it'll be you know, I guess uh, again, I don't think they're going to get a max free agent next year. I think 2020 is much more realistic for them because I think again, well, I agree. I'm just saying their yeah. plan is 2019. Right, so. right, right. But like I I think it would behoove them to sit out of the 2019 market just based on what's about to happen or what seems like it's about to happen. Um, so I, I think the front loading is okay. I, you know, they, I have a little bit more faith in Levine becoming a decent basketball player than it seems like a lot of Bulls fans do. I don't think he's ever going to become like a star defensive player. Uh, he's going to be like... <sighs> almost like a poor man's Devin Booker in terms of his impact on both ends of the floor. Like, I don't think he's going to be as good offensively. And Devin Booker is also very bad on defense. And Devin Booker is like the poor man's James Harden. So you just keep going down that scale. So I think Zach Levine is a very, very poor man's, or, you know, that, that type of impact offensively while still being a negative defense. Um, That said, I think I've seen that he's working with Drew Hanlon. And I have all the faith in the world in Drew Hanlon. And it sounds like, you know, I've seen Hanlon, like, hyping him up as a future all-star. So, you know, for it, it, if it, it's true that he has a good work ethic, I think that will behoove him. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if he's working with Hanlon. I think that's, like, I, I'm not convinced we've seen the best of Zach Levine yet. So I think that's... I agree. The Bulls, I agree. Yeah, I think that's the Bulls' thinking, is we're paying for potential here. And... I mean, they're thinking, again, is the optics thing. But I think they're also paying for potential. And I think, you know, I does he live up to $78 million? No. I don't think... I think Jacob's projections of 21.5, that seems a little low to me. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he gives you, like, a Will Barton-esque impact. And Will Barton, get what he was, like, four years, $50 million. So, again, it's... Yeah, four, like, 454. Okay, yeah. So, it's like, it'll still be an overpay, but I don't think it's as egregious as some people are making it seem. Here, here's the thing, though. In terms of how good he can become, 
the ceiling is really about like I, I talked about before the mental act aspect of the game yeah. like regardless of how good he becomes physically mm-hmm. you will always cap yourself to a certain extent if you can't think the game out I actually addressed this in the piece that I filed today mm-hmm. for give me sport I don't know when it'll be up but I was looking at like I was asking the question how good can Levine actually become because mm-hmm. like he's in town he's got he's got paid like how good can this guy become mm-hmm. and I more or less looked at a former bull, actually, quite coincidentally, Ben Gordon, mm. who is in a very similar, who was in a very similar situation. Like he was, he was not a great rebounder, not a great playmaker. He was more or less a scorer. Mm-hmm. But where Ben Ben Gordon was still a significantly better player than Zach Levine because even though he was short, like defensively, he understood what schemes were. Like he understood, oh, I have to be here. I have to go there when this happens. Oh, I have to react in a certain way. Like, from a system defense perspective, he was mm-hmm. absolutely fine. He didn't have those lapses. Bulls management refused to pay him for that, whatever reason. They didn't like his height, for example, which is the, <laughs> then why draft him. Sure. I, that, I, that never made sense to me. Um, and, they, and he ended up taking the qualifying offer. But Ben was always, like, a positive for the Bulls, and he was even a, a better shooter. And I think for Levine... Like that that's that to me in a way that seems like his ceiling to be a guy who can be a potentially even a, def- a dependable team defender mm-hmm. and that's about it like yeah. from a defense perspective but I don't think he'll ever have this shot selection of Ben Gordon mm-hmm. I don't think he'll have the intelligence level in terms of basketball intelligence and IQ to to make the right reads like last year I know he was coming off the ACL tear I know that we should take the entire last season with a grain of salt. That's fine. But so many times did Levine get a screen from Laurie Markkinen, dribble right, have this, this the Markkinen's man come over to double him, and instead of passing it right back to an open Markkinen for free, like he would take a jump shot over two guys. Mm. And he would do it consistently, Brian. Mm-hmm. When a guy does that, that is that, that like that's the worst type of shot you can take. Right. Like a contested long two over two people. <laughs> right. Like it's the worst shot in basketball, and yeah. he continued to take it, which just keeps suggesting to me that he's not a quick learner. Mm-hmm. He's not really when he has the ball and he has this idea, oh, I need to score. Then that mindset is not going to change. Like I'm gonna get a shot up regardless. No, you you need to play the game and see what opens up. He doesn't do that. He doesn't think the game out. And because of that, I think his ceiling is going to be capped. I agree with you he's going to get better. I even agree with the very, very hardcore optimists that there is a world wherein he averages 25. Mm -hmm. But at what cost? Yeah. I think a lot we'll see this year. I think you know he might have been in that gunner mode because he knew he was in a contract year. He knew we only had twenty some games to prove that he's worth this kind of a payday, and he just needed to like put up stats at whatever cost, as you said. Is is it sad then that it worked? <laughs> yes. Um, so I think seeing him a year removed from the or a year and a half removed from the ACL tear now, now that he's paid, now that he has a Wendell Carter to help cover up his mistakes on defense as a final line of defense at the rim i think all of that will help um it's Mm. going to be interesting i mean it's going to be fascinating to see whether he actually returns invests or returns positive value on this investment um for your sake i hope so and for the sake of bulls fans out there i hope so but we'll see 
We'll um, see, but I mean, the situation doesn't end there, Brian, because David Nwaba apparently is in a stalemate with the Bulls. Right, right. Which yeah. is like, to me, that guy is just more team friendly. Like he, he definitely has the IQ. Mm-hmm. He he lacks certain skills offensively, sure, but that dude thinks the game. Like his anticipation is outstanding. If the Bulls are are willing to pay Levine eighty million, but are bickering with David Nwaba, like let's say he wants six and they're offering offering three, yeah, yeah, I think every Bulls fan should get overwhelmingly pissed. Right. Yeah. But I have a final question for you mm-hmm. in regards to Zach Levine, because. I was DMing with Mark Karansoulis earlier about this because when I woke up, I had a lot of notifications. I both on and DM, Yep. yep. Um, and we were kind of going back and forth, like how could he live up to this contract? And I had an idea. I said, you know, maybe he just should just embrace the three-point shot to a much higher extent. Yeah. Like him becoming like a 10 three-point field goal per attempts a game type of player. Right. Like just kind of like Eric Gordon. I mean, yeah, he shot 38, he, he on 6.6 attempts per game in 2016-17, he shot 38.7%. Right. So the, the potential's there, for sure. So my question to you is, if Levine can somehow string together a season where he hits that mark, like 10, that's just an arbitrary number, but like 10 three-point field goal attempts per game, and he hits that, that that level, so you see him like knocking down three point five threes a game, mm-hmm. and he still does all the other things. Like he still goes to the rim. Like he upped his free throw shooting last year. Like let's say that increases, mm-hmm. will the efficiency level that comes with the added three point shot to, or the higher volume of three point shot will that make that contract significantly better in your eyes, or would it just be, ah, uh, it's slightly better? I would say significantly better. I mean, I, I, I have again. I have more faith in this mm. than it seems like most Bulls fans do from the get go. But right. yeah, if he can resemble his twenty sixteen seventeen self, it's still an overpay. But I don't think it's an egregious overpay. It's just funny because I knew the reaction that would be coming from Bulls fans about this. Yeah, no, I, I get that because my thinking is he should try his damn best. Like he can't get to the line as James Harden can, mm-hmm. but. Like that's the profile he needs to look at, like yeah. the way that that he scores the ball because he's ne- he he should know and everyone should know he's never going to be a plus defender. Like he should just look at James Harden and try the, to be like, oh, I'm going to be the poor man's version of James Harden. Like that's that's what I am going to try to do. That's the only way I break out of this little Ben Gordon is my my max ceiling type of box, right? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's difficult. I, th- I think the Bulls could have had him cheaper. I think if they... And I don't think they should have matched at all, but we'll see. Like you said, there's this season is uh, it's just around the corner almost, it feels like at least, because we're talking about it. But when... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not satisfied, as you can tell. Yeah. 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 And I, I think the Kings also deserve some scoring for this because... Not necessarily that they gave him that contract, because again, it was this whole situation was predictable. But the logic behind them not taking Luka Doncic was we don't want to take the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands, and then they signed Zach Levine to that offer sheet when Zach Levine would do the same thing except more yep. inefficiently. Yep. Like it's just, I mean, when that news broke last night, 
how many people immediately tweeted Kangs, including oh, yeah. me. Like, it, yep. it, I, I, I don't know. I, I was asleep yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first time in a while. And by the way, after this contract, I think the Bulls should be B O L L C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we should include. Yeah. Bulls. So, Bulls. But, uh, all right. So the, the Doncic point is so real. Mm hmm. And it just confirmed to me that Sacramento were not high on Luke at any point. Yeah. Which and that's if, if if I'm a Kings fan, that's what I take away from this. I don't mm-hmm. take anything about Levine away from it because I know that a team will mess up in free agency. What I take away from this is that they are severely lacking in talent evaluation. Yeah. Prospect evaluation. Yep. That's a that's a major concern if you're a Kings fan. Like mm-hmm. you can't trust them to make the right decision by draft time. Right. And you cannot expect them to hit on free agents. Right. It's a very bad combination. It is. And then when you trade for a guy and call him the next Stephen Curry, right. that's also not a good look. No. And then you draft a guy and say he shoots like Steph and is big like Clay. Oh, and then, no. and then he, you trade him a year later just to salary dump so you can sign Rajon Rondo and Marco Bellinelli. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nick Rooks. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's truly... And like it goes back to what you said, like... Marvin Bagley, I'm not going to overreact to a couple of games of Summer League, but he has shown a lot of the concerns that people, including us, had coming into the draft during his first couple of Summer League games. Like, mm. he is struggling to create in half-court offense. His three ball is just not there. Like, a lot of the things that Sacramento was hyping him up to be, it's just not there yet. And again, it's right. three games in the summer league. I'm not going <laughs> to write yeah. him off forever. Like People are doing that with Trey Young already just because he shot poorly in his first couple of summer league games. There are a lot of good players who have had bad summer leagues and vice versa. There are a lot of bad players who have Absolutely. Good, good summer yeah. leagues. Um, that said, like you do... You don't... It, honestly, like summer, you shouldn't look at summer league stats... Like, whatever. That doesn't matter because this is glorified yeah, pickup basketball. But, like, you should – it's a process over results thing. Like, if if he is struggling to create half-court offense, I don't care, that like, what his final line is. But it's more just, like, what you're seeing. This mm-hmm. is this is a, a, a place where, you know, the, the eye test versus analytics. The eye test is much more important in summer league than the analytics part. And yep. if you're seeing him struggle in certain aspects of the game that you were relying on him to be good at, you start to raise like just the tiniest red flag. I would agree. Um, I, I just to, to wrap up Backley, you know, I, I feel that he's also been you know crapped on a little bit too much. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be good. Yeah. The whole part of me was never like let's put down Backley. I don't right. want anyone to be put down. Right. It was it was more a response to Backley is not as good as Luka Doncic. Like it was yeah. all in connection to Luka Doncic. Yeah, and like Backley should have been like at least a top seven pick. Mm-hmm. That's like that's within his range. I don't think he should have been two. Mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't have him in, in, in my top five. Mm-hmm. But like top seven, sure, sure. Like he's not. That's a great talent. Yeah. I mean, and I even think like if everything falls together, he could be a Rookie of the Year candidate. 
Like he can mm-hmm. he can score, he can rebound. He just he can't play a lot of defense. But in rookie <laughs> right. of the year voting, that's never been a concern before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just hasn't. So yeah, but it's it's if you're a Kings fan, you have to move forward with a certain level of skepticism. Yeah. Like because they effectively decided that a Luca Don no sorry a Mo Bamba not Mo Bamba I'm rolling around in things right now a Marvin Bagley Sack yeah. Levine combination right would be superior than to going with Luca Doncic in the draft and whatever right. they could get like free agency wise and that's that's just not great and have, like let's say the Bulls didn't match the Levine contract right. They already have Buddy Heald and Bogdan, or Bogdan Bogdanovich. Right. Where, like, what role does Levine fill? The, I've been saying, like, they, they can't even play him at point because they are they have De'Aaron Fox. Right. Uh, so are you, like, Bogdan Bogdanovich is their best shooting guard right now. Buddy Heald is a good, like, he'll be a really good microwave scorer. And maybe when he leaves Sacramento, he, he can become something more. Right, but like, Donovan is more as a three, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. Didn't they? Play, they played him. A yeah, they played him a lot of two, yeah. but he's he's like like more his body and yeah. Yeah, he's more of a three. But but like Buddy, you could argue that Buddy Heal is better. Like he didn't play a lot of minutes, and both neither him or Levine are the strong defenders. Mm-hmm. But he's just such a more prolific three point shooter. Right. That I think he's he's just a necessity, and he doesn't yeah. have he doesn't require like a lot of ball handling, like because he can't handle the ball. He's more <laughs> of a spot up shooter, right? So that allows De'Aaron Fox to really get things going. Whereas yeah. Sack would definitely take possessions away from Fox. Yeah, but yeah. It just again goes back to the main question of like, what I, I'd love to know what their their thought process was like June fifteenth. When it's become clear that Phoenix is taking eight and number one, it's clear that you could get Doncic at number two. It's clear that a lot of teams want Doncic, and that even if you don't, even if you didn't want him, you can like trade down. Like the the offer that Dallas gave Atlanta at three, I'm sure was also there for Sacramento at two. Mm-hmm. So like you, could've... I'll tell you what the logic was. <laughs> we like Marvin Bagley. No. Well, maybe. But I think the logic was, no, let's look at our depth chart. We really have no power forward, yes? And that guy, Mar- Marvin Backley, he's the first one that comes up on my Google search when I search college players power forwards. He, and look, he scores, he rebounds, he runs the floor, and he has great hair. I like it. I like it very much. We have the second pick and we need a power forward. We have all the rest of the guys there. We can run out these these starting lineup and it's going to be great. Yeah. Oh man. I said this last night after after the Kings new or the news of the Kings offer sheet leaked and before the Bulls matched, I said Kings fans deserve like a one time amnesty where they can jump to the <laughs> team of their choice and not be labeled a bandwagon fan. Because it's just like, it's too much now. It's like not yep. even funny to make fun of them anymore. It's just like yep. how many dumb decisions can they make before it's like it's just past the point of parody yep it is and by the way because i'm european i can do that accent and not be called a racist right good uh, i'm safe i'm safe uh you know you're right look thinking over like the kings 
could you just imagine if they go after Jabari next now? They're going to, aren't they? Like it's almost I, I can almost lock it in. But that's that see, that's the thing, because then I could totally see them go, Jabari's a three. Yeah. Like and then No. Right. No, dudes. Like he's a pure four, and you'll realize by maybe his second year, and at which point Marvin Backley's there, and that will cause problems. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have um I can almost guarantee that Jabari Parker is next on their list. When a guy like David Nawaba is out there, or a guy like Clint Capella is still out there, or it's Marcus a, Smart's still out there. Yo, they're gonna can, go. we, can we talk about how nobody has offered David Nawapa anything? Like, what the hell? Teams are sleeping. It's, it's because, like, the Kings in particular want big names. They don't care about actual winning players basketball fit yeah they just want <laughs> they want like zach levine's a big name he can put up 20 points jabari barker is a big name he can put up 20 points we need to put butts in seats we need to have guys that we can market and like put on our tickets and we don't have those guys aside from i guess marvin bagley and now De'Aaron fox as well but like willie collie stein is not filling seats scalabissieri is not filling seats i guess they like harry giles they're hoping will but they still don't right. have that like marketable megastar that they did when they had Boogie. So they That's like, true. So I think they don't give a damn about Well, not just them, but like everybody. Like yeah. why has nobody gone after David Nawapa? I am just flabbergasted at why he has been sitting there all summer. Well, he's a restricted free agent, right? He is, but like you can go after him. Like I know, you can show some interest. We haven't heard a single team like, "Oh, we like this guy." That's yeah. kind of my thing. Well, that's why. I mean, the restricted is why. Like we didn't hear anything about Levine until yesterday either. Oh yeah, we did. Oh, we did. We heard the the Kings bus was real from yeah, I think true. July two. Yeah, but like we didn't hear anything concrete. We haven't heard it. That's we haven't true. heard anything concrete about like any restricted free agent aside from Aaron Gordon who re-signed right away but like all we've That's heard true. about Marcus Smart is that no team oh, yeah. or the like that the Celtics haven't reached out to him and he's hurt and disgusted and blah 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 and now he's reaching out to a bunch of teams and mm. you know Clint Capella negotiations don't seem to be going great either but like that's I mean re- because restricted guys just have to wait until at least the moratorium's over they can reach an agreement on an offer sheet before they can't actually sign it until the moratorium is over, at which point then the 48-hour clock starts. And teams are just reluctant to go after those guys right away because you don't want to reach an agreement on July 1st, have that leak, and then effectively have your cap space tied up until at least July 8th, and then teams can draw it out another two days with the physical and tie it up until July 10th, at which point... Right you've missed out on god knows how many other free agents so right i'm yeah. so glad you just brought that brought brought that up because i actually forgot to mention this mm-hmm. like the bulls will have to use those two to four days yeah extremely smart because they have cap space like they can sign right. resign levine because of their mm-hmm. bird rights on him they should go out and get as many bad deals as they can take like for assets now yep. because if they in in in, in that 48 hour to 96 hours like you can be stretched out to four days mm-hmm. in that time frame if they do not go out there and get some more assets off taking on like bad deals mm-hmm. they would have failed this summer like they would yeah. be a huge loser yeah this summer yep totally agree yeah i i think 
I, I assume once they submit the matching papers, which uh, it sounds like they haven't done it yet. Like the the news that they plan to match leaked pretty quickly, like within an hour or two after the initial news about the offer sheet came out. But I'm assuming they will not submit that paperwork until Sunday. So you're right. They're going to have at least a day. I would think that once they submit it, that's when that cap space gets tied up officially. Like even though the physical process will be, could be drawn out an additional two days and they should just to dick over the Kings. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it's like they have today, Saturday, and then however, what, until like Sunday at six or 7 PM, uh, whenever the contract officially got signed to actually go out and yeah, like they should be on the phone with Denver right now saying like, all right, we'll take Kenneth Reed. Just give us a top 20 protected first round pick. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, or OKC. Yeah. With Mello. Yeah. Look, I mean, yeah, you can't absorb Mello's entire deal, but I, Justin Hall, like, could we, would you agree with me on this, by the way? Is Justin Holiday at the very least, a, if not better than equal to Melo in terms of on-court production? I I mean right now. I think if Carmelo not, not factoring in like name factor. Right, right. I think Carmelo Anthony could be better. Like I right. said this yesterday, Carmelo Anthony is on the Allen Iverson path. Yeah. Like he thinks he's better than he is right now, and his mm-hmm. unwillingness to change and adapt to his new reality is going to push him out of the league faster than a guy like Vince Carter. Like Vince Carter was a megastar. He realized once he hit his 30s, he's not the same player. He needs to like dial it back, become a role player. Now right. he's like 40, 41, and he's still in the league. Like there is a pathway for these guys to age gracefully. But, like, Iverson was the same way. Like, Iverson thought when he was 35 he should still be the number one option on a team. Like, Carmelo still thinks he's, like, refusing to come off the bench for OKC. Like, dude. (laughs) Right. Like, I I mean, OKC would be, you know, we were talking last time um, about, like, how OKC would be a much better team if Carmelo came off the bench, Jeremy Grant was in the starting lineup. Now it sounds like they're going to get rid of Mello one way or the other, with either a buyout mm-hmm. or a stretch provision or a trade. Um, like I think there's a world in which Carmelo Anthony can still be a productive basketball player, but he has to embrace a smaller role. But he's not going to because he's a stubborn asshole. So, and, and, like I, I say that I don't, I I don't want to fault these guys because I have no idea what it's like to be that good at something. And then, and then just like you know, it I, it must suck like to just know that like father time kicked in and you're like you're just not as good as you once were, and yep. there's nothing you can do to reverse it. Like you're in your thirties, it must be very frustrating to know what you once were. Know you're not gonna get back to that point. Like I, I mm-hmm. don't think it's easy to age gracefully. I think Vince Carter is like. A, more of an anomaly than what we give him credit right. for. Like I think it's very impressive what he's done. So agreed. I don't begrudge a Carmelo or an Allen Iverson for going out the way they do. I I understand it from a human perspective. It's just I I don't think he's going. Like I I think he's headed down that path. Really, I just don't 
But there's nothing that's given me an indication that he's going to accept this new reality for him. That didn't answer my question at all, Brian. Yeah, I, I, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Carmelo Anthony, if he was willing to embrace that smaller role, would be better. But I don't okay. think he is willing to do that. And if yep. he continues it, the same shit that he did last year at OKC, then no. he's. I'd say he's probably less impactful. I would say he like does more damage to your team than he helps. So, okay, so we agree at the, uh, the, at the very least they're comparable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's assume for a second that you're OKC and you get this offer. Justin mm-hmm. Holiday for uh, Carmelo Anthony and a first-round draft pick, maybe like one first-round draft pick and a second-rounder, whatever. Something mm-hmm. like where you have to pay something up, like a 2022 first-rounder. Unprotected, obviously, because of the amount of money sure. that they'll take on. Yeah, definitely unprotected. Like, And you look at the return. You look at, oh, we actually get Justin Holiday, who might be a more impactful player, mm-hmm. while we're saving, what, $100 million yeah. or... Ninety million because I think it'd yeah. be even more if they if they're just trading him outright. I think it's more if they like wave or if they stretch him. It's about ninety million. Oh yeah, yeah right. But if they yeah if they trade him yeah like wouldn't that be extremely attractive to OKC? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So my question is, why the hell are the Bulls not all over that one? I think we both know the answer. I think you yeah, said it earlier. Like yeah, they yeah. they aren't creative with the like they they just don't exploit salary cap space in the way that bad teams should like yeah and they're not the only one i mean right yeah but like they should take after i mean what philly has done in the last five years should be a textbook example of if you are not competing for a playoff spot right away use your cap space to take bad contracts for more picks build out your asset chest which will help either you know, give you more young players and picks down the line or give you ammunition for a trade. Like, in a couple of years, a 2022 pick, like, by that point, that would be the last year. Yeah, Paul George could have opted out by then, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then Steven Adams would be off the books by then, potentially. Like, we don't know what OKC would look like by then. They could be very bad by that point. And if you get an unprotected yeah. pick from them... And like that's that's my thinking. Yep. Yeah, and they they would probably be willing to give that up just to shave that much money off of their books. So it's a fair point. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they, so Bulls fans out there, get on Twitter and start that one up. Yeah. Right. Just hashtag Garpax. Just ha- yeah, gar- hashtag Garpax and and holiday for Mello. Just <laughs> in twenty 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 two, obviously, because right. yeah. Or although you know, I could just imagine the Bulls going, "Wait, we get mellow? How many second rounders <laughs> yeah. should we throw in to get him?" Right. Oh yeah. That see, that's the other concern. If the Bulls traded for Mello, would they keep him? Oh God, like they would, wouldn't they? Probably. Oh, he'll sell jerseys and yeah. he'll be a nice yeah. veteran influence. Right. Absolutely. When we need a wing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mort, I'm glad we could let you get that off of your chest. I Condolences again to you and all Bulls fans out there. Uh, prayer is up that Drew Hanlon does some miracle work. Now we both have investment in Drew Hanlon. This is good. We're, we're gonna, this is just going to become a Drew Hanlon I, podcast. I did before. I will say this. I did before because I like Markel Fultz. Yeah. I was so yeah. high on him in Washington. 
I know. So I'm I'm very invested in Markel Foles. And yeah. by the way, that look that video that popped up a few days ago, where he was jumping from a foot inside the three or the free <laughs> yeah. throw line, yeah, and windmilled it. Yep. Like, ooh, like mm-hmm. look, that's why he was this absolutely no nonsense top overall pick because when you combine that sort of athleticism. And with the fact that he, at that point in time at least, could hit 40% from downtown. Mm-hmm. And he could get to the line. He could just contort his body. Like, from an offensive standpoint, he sh- he should have been one. And maybe there's still room to become that player. One of the most unstoppable offensive forces in the league. Yeah. Like, there's a good chance he could have been, like, a prime Gilbert Arenas-type scorer. <laughs> Hopefully without the guns in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, that that would be that that wouldn't be not so great, especially in this environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll Spe- talk- speaking of like maybe maybe just uh, closing this off, guns and NBA players. Yeah. 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 T- Tyler Honeycutt, and yeah. that's uh, that was a tough situation. Like, I'm we don't know what happened. Right. We we have no idea of the whole situation, but apparently Tyler Honeycutt uh, passed away t- during a, a gunfight episode with police because he apparently unloaded clips against mm-hmm. the, it, it, I woke up to that and was like what? Yeah. No, that yeah. can't be true. Yeah, I went to sleep last night when the news was just breaking and it wasn't even clear who the player was but it just said like former NBA player uh, yeah, so ugh what? Yeah. What? <laughs> not not a great way to end but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back Later, with another episode, we're going to go through the winners and losers of the first week of free agency. Obviously, we covered the Bulls and the Kings in this one, so we will not talk about them. But there are plenty of other teams to discuss that have been active this first week. So stay tuned there. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the NBA, or the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I will still mention the Kings in the next, next episode. <laughs> Sorry in advance, Kings fans. <laughs>